Welcome to NL Full Time and our pre-season podcast. I'm Luke Edwards and we're in a pub in King's Cross in London in the boot. You kind of let us in to do the podcast this afternoon uh, on this Wednesday afternoon. So three days before the start of the season. Uh, and alongside me is Dickie. Hello Dickie. Hi there Luke. Hi everybody. And Rob is here as well. Hello Rob. Hi Luke. Hi Dickie. Hi everyone. And on the line we have Tom somewhere not in London. Hello Tom. Hi everyone. Nice to be back talking to you all. And uh, Chris Pratt is in a motorhome on the M27. He's not with us, but uh, we have got his predictions, so we'll get them later on. <laughs> Tom, it's been an exciting summer for a lot of players who've made the step up to the Football League this summer. Yeah, it really has, hasn't it? Um, whilst the, the tabloids and the broadsheets have been focusing on um, what Nicolas Pepe's had for his airport meal and whether or not Harry Maguire's eaten right to get his transfer through... Um, those of us who love the non-league game have been watching as players move between different clubs at the non-league level. But not just that, we've seen 52 players step up from non-league football to the professional game. Not just in England with the Football League and the Premier League, but um, they've gone overseas. We've had Blair Turger and Alex Perber, both gone to Ostersund in the Swedish Premier Division. Um, but there have been a few really interesting little uh, uh, transfers or groups of transfers that have gone on. I think the three biggest rises really uh, Joel Senior from Curzon Ashton Ashton Hall from Matlock Town and Keon Atetti from Notts County we've all gone up to the Premier League with Burnley Sheffield United and Tottenham Hotspur respectively um, one thing that I've, I've noticed which is really interesting actually is how Tooting and Mitcham United um, a step four club down in South London who you'll probably remember uh, shared their ground with Dulwich Hammond last season they've actually sent three of their academy players up to the championship two with Middlesbrough and one with Charlton Athletic so good luck to them. Um, and one thing we always notice, isn't it, is that it's strikers who get the most opportunity to make these step-ups. Um, we look at the likes of Colby Bishop, who's gone from Leamington to Accrington Stanley, and we think, yeah, he should actually be able to, to make it at that level. We look at Adi Yusuf, who's gone from Solihull to Blackpool. It's much easier for strikers to make a name for themselves and earn that attention. But what I've really noticed this season is that there's been a lot of defenders who've made that step up. For example, uh, Marvel Electroteta, who's gone from Hungerford to Newport County, a great move for him. Um, we've got Nesta Guinness-Walker, who's stepped up from the Met Police to AFC Wimbledon, and he's actually even captained AFC Wimbledon in a pre-season friendly already. Um, on top of that, John Mellish, Gateshead to Carlisle United, Robbie Cundy, Bar City to Bristol City. So it really uh, is scotching the sort of tradition that it's only the attacking players who get noticed by the football league clubs. Good stuff, Tom. Question for you. Um, when players go all the way up from non-league to the Premier League, um, that's a big risk, isn't it? it? It looks great, they're probably on a nice contract, but are they going to get the game time they want? I often think that a, a smart move is one to League One or League Two. What do you think? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you, to be honest. Um, it's a huge risk, isn't it? Um, you've only got to look, for example, at the likes of Oladapo Afolian, who went from Solihull Moors to West Ham a couple of uh, last summer, I believe. Um, I don't think he's getting much game time in there on the 23 side. He's certainly not making a dent on the first team. Um, Cohen Bramble went to Arsenal to head to the town, and he's been released after two seasons. You know, it is great experience. They're going to get brilliant coaching. But some of these players can get minutes if they went to League 1, League 2 clubs, exactly as you say. Um, it is a risk for them. They're taking the move from being big fish in small pond to small fish in big pond. Um, but as people such as Chris Smalling and Jamie Vardy have proved, you know, we all know the stories. If you're good enough, 
you can force your way in. Well, let's move on and look at the National League now. And yeah, with the National League, we've all kind of made our predictions. And well, we've all kind of gone for the same one, except for you, Dickie. Yeah, I suppose that does kind of make me the fly in the ointment. I might have to explain myself for that one. Um, I won't give away who everybody else has gone for, but my, my pick for the title in the National League is Solid or Moors. Um, I've just seen them a number of times uh, in the last couple of seasons, and as much as it's they're, they're not going to be a surprise to people this season, Rob and I were speaking earlier about how do you actually combat what Solid will do. They're big, they're combative, they're strong, but they're, they're not without skill as well. Um, they've lost uh, Jermaine Hilton, they lost Adi Yusuf, they both got moves similar to the ones that Tom was speaking about earlier, but they've replaced them with Paul McCallum, who was Eastley's top scorer last season. I think was he top scorer in the entire division last Second season? to Danny Rowe. Second to Danny Rowe. Um, and then and almost at the 11th hour as well, they brought in Callum Howe from Harrogate as well to, to, to bolster a defensive line, which is already pretty strong. So, um, yeah, Solihull, they, 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 swung my, um, they swung in my favour at the last moment, but that's who have gone for. Well, we stay on the title winners to start with, if you like, and I think that's a, a really logical choice, Dickie, and, and I, I strongly considered Solihull Moors as well. I have gone, as indeed have the other boys for AFC File, and that's based on logic too. Two years in the playoffs, yeah. a little bit further, they got to the final this year. I mean, Dickie's only gone File to finish second, so they're not, not going to finish lower than second in our eyes, are they? Exactly wow. right, or certainly filed. Uh, you know, you got them down as winners of the playoffs anyway. Um, I think they've they've kept pretty much who they'd want to keep. They have uh, added really, really well filed uh, to, um, and they and they bought in the top assister from last year from Eastleigh, Mark Yates. Um, so he's going to create even more chances for the likes of Danny Rowan, young Kurt Willoughby, who's uh, got England C status now, and I saw at close quarters uh, in the early summer. He's definitely got potential. He's a real poacher. I think as well, Rob, what you said, mm. that's the two key things. One's a recruitment, and two, mm. they, could, they blew the cobwebs off that playoff disappointment, but the week after by going to Wembley and winning the FA Trophy. So psychologically, they came into the season on a winning note anyway, didn't they? So, mm. um, But the recruitment to be thinking, they've just recently signed James Montgomery as well. He's a former England seakeeper. He's been at Gateshead, been at Forest Green. So they've really strengthened that good squad that they've had already, haven't they? Yeah. And uh, that's why I couldn't really see past him. If you look at it, you flip it the other way, why wouldn't File win the uh, National League this year? Probably come under the area of pressure and expectation because whilst, of course, they've got 2022 on their badges, I think everybody you know, seems to think that this should be the year now. They've had a look at this league for a couple of years. They've finished in the playoffs. Um, you know, those big boys have gone. Salford, with all the clout behind them, um, and uh, Leighton Orient as well. So... Uh, Probably the biggest rivals to file winning it are some of those big clubs that uh, will get mentioned in the playoffs uh, predictions. Is that? Do you want to come to your? Uh, One thing uh, I'd just say on filed is they just need to sort their away form out slightly. They improved it in the playoffs, <coughs> in the league they had too many draws at times, which cost them, didn't it? I think. Well, hopefully that improvement in their away form doesn't start too soon, Luke, because I'll be watching them at close quarters on Saturday. Uh, August the third, the season kickoff. They'll be at uh, the M Stadium. And you move on from far. I'd just say um, the one deficiency in their in their playing style and their squad last season was no one to take that burden off Danny Rowe. He finished the season with 28 goals. Next up was Andrew Bond with seven. 
So as, as Rob rightly points out, the arrivals of, of youths with uh, the assists he'll bring, uh, but he scored a few briefly as well. But Kurt Willoughby and Matty Kozilo, between the two of them and Danny Rowe, you should have three strikers, three attacking men, all well comfortable and capable of getting into double figures for goals. In the past, if you stop Danny Rowe, you've got a good chance of stopping AFC Files. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. Great points, Tom. And uh, thinking of AFC Files and... Uh you know, the uh, challenge ahead of them this season. I managed to catch up with uh, their skipper, Ryan Crowsdale, on the England sea trip to Estonia back in June. And here's our chat. I guess you've been through a lot in the last few months of last season, uh, particularly those two games at Wembley. Um, one high, one low. Uh, do you think you'll be better next season for the experience of going through those situations? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh more than likely, obviously, to, to, to lose a, f- a few players, but you know we've kind of got that that core of the, the team still there. Um, like I said, there was there was highs and lows, and obviously to, to go to Wembley twice within a week is not just you know a great honour for the players, but for for the fans and for the for the whole squad. So you know we've really enjoyed that. Hopefully, we can take them uh, take them moments and into next season and push push for promotion. You know, then playoffs were tough. Uh, obviously, to come to a cruel end, uh, but automatic promotion will be you know a lot easier, I think. Now, although this is for our pre-season podcast, which won't be going out until late July, early August, the one thing we do know now in June when we're recording this is one of your new players. You've been up close and personal with him this week, Kurt Willoughby, and uh, I must ask you for his, your thoughts on him and how he can fit into that far side. Yeah, no, definitely. I've been obviously played with Kurt a few times with the trips. Uh, you know, he's hardworking. He's got lots of energy to bring in. You know, he's got an eye for goal. Uh, you know, obviously, I thought he was outstanding the other night to lead the line you know for for us uh, you know he'll fit in well with uh, the way that the gaff wants to play at, at Fylde so uh, obviously he's got the likes of Rowie to compete with for places which is you know very tough but in terms of uh, you know him coming and doing well I wish him all the best and and they've got uh, some similar some different attributes haven't they Danny and uh, and, and Kurt um, the one thing I've picked up having watched Danny play four or five times having watched Kurt two or three times Danny sometimes likes to pull out hang back get involved uh, whereas Kurt is all about pouncing on that opportunity in the box. Yeah, I think uh, probably throughout our season, you know, just gone with as a club, as the players we've got, everyone kind of likes to drift out, you know, around the edge of the box and kind of play this fluent f- football. But with Kurt probably coming into the side, you know, it'll be nice for him to get into the box and get on the end of things, which will, you know, benefit us, you know, our players. Fantastic. Wish you all the very best for the, the season ahead, Ryan, and, and we'll catch up with you later in the season. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. So moving on to the playoffs. First of all, of course, with our predictions, we put who we think will win the playoffs, and uh, this is where Dickie's gone for Fylde. Well, we've all gone for Wrexham, me, myself, Rob and Tom, and Chris has gone for Notts County, which... And he's not here to about, explain himself. Well, about two days ago, that was full hardy, didn't it? And talking of hardy, well, he's gone and they've got new owners in and uh, all the players have been play, paid. Uh, I don't know how many beers I've had, but all the, play, yeah. all, the play, <laughs> all the players have now been paid. So, And the transfer embargo lifted. Indeed. So, does that mean they're going to be a force in the playoffs or are they going to be a bit more like Norrin Hartlepool and settle for a solid season? Well, this is probably the, the most appropriate point to mention the, uh, the odds for the National League. And I said to you boys this morning in our WhatsApp group on the way here that I was actually staggered 
by a couple of the prices. Uh, one of them being Notts County. I do kind of understand it. I know how the bookies kind of works, and Notts County are a very, very big club. Um, but eight to one favourites to win the league. I just can't see it. Um, somebody in our group thinks that they will um, do considerably worse than that this season, and we'll come to that in a bit. And I very nearly did. I've got to be honest. I, I considered whether there might be potential as things were a week or two ago to drop straight through this league mm. I've certainly uh, you know amended that opinion now but uh, looking at the odds yeah Notts County 8-1 to one. and when you compare it to this one Solihull Moors who finished second last year 50-1 to one you can get um, odds checker so you can get 50-1 to one on Solihull Moors and that's despite re having retained most of their squad from last year and strengthened at the back and the front as well Will, uh, will the £10 be coming out of your wallet then Rob to uh, put uh, on Solihull? Do you know what I'm really not much of a gambler as you boys know but I, 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 I'm almost thinking well I've got to put a tenner on that um, 50-1 to one for the team that finished second last year I find it quite staggering to be honest but uh, Coming on to Wrexham, um, I think we're using the logic, aren't we, really, that uh, they've been mean at the back for two or three seasons now. I don't think that's going to change. Sean Pearson's no. still there at the back. But they have signed one of the most prolific goal scorers from the National League last year, JJ Hooper, who was on loan at Bromley. And I, I, I can't speak for the others, but that was the reason why I picked them to come through the playoffs, Dickie. Yeah, I saw Wrexham a couple of weeks ago in a pre-season game against Telford. Um, they they won that one two nil and and looked fairly comfortable. And I think that the thing that probably made the point for me was they made a rash of substitutions late on in the game, and it was only when they made those substitutions that they brought on most of the players who I would envisage being their first eleven. And the fact that they'd sort of like held my own team Telford at bay for most of that game, and then were able almost to bring on their first team for the last 15 minutes just kind of emphasised that that strength in depth that they've got and, and that principally that's the reason why I, I think they'll be there again and Luke I know a player that uh, you like he's also signed for him from Salford Devontae Redmond yeah well I know when we were in the mix zone at the end of the playoff final Will, Will said to us didn't he the press officer at Salford he's like I hope the Nevilles are in the dressing room getting Devante Redmond signed up. They didn't wreck some swoops, and that could be the game changer because, to say, it's more the um, he can score goals as well. He, he's, he's a good set piece taker, um, and like you say, we, we know they're good at the back. It's just scoring goals. They, they, they look as though they're going to rectify that, and they've got a good manager in, in Brian Hughes as well. And they're allowing some of the younger players to come through. I mean, a couple of them have joined Telford on loan, which we'll come to later on. And um, But Brian Hughes has spoke really well in pre-season. He's kind of got himself over that disappointment of that playoff um, semi-final defeat. Uh, it's quarter sorry, the playoff eliminated defeat. And uh, they look as though they're, they're hungry and ready. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tom, uh, just to bring you back in, you've also gone for Wrexham. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to what we've said, but then just go straight in, please, if you can, to your... Uh, your other five teams to make the playoffs this season? Yes, yeah, so I'd really add on Brexit. Um, I think that an element of their chances this season will depend on how well they keep some of the young players. Uh, both of them have got a injury record as long as Darren Anderson's, um, but when they're both fit and firing, they've been playing together since they were you know, 16, 17 years old through the youth setup down in Plymouth. Um, and I think if they keep them fit together, then they're the players who can who can get the most out of JJ Hooper and Devontae Redmond up front. But yeah, in terms of the rest of uh, my predictions for the playoffs, I've gone for Harrogate Town, although I did make that prediction before Callum Howe left. 
so whether or not I'd stick with that, yeah, I'll stick with it. But um, I just think they're a strong side. I think they're a very well-drilled side, and I think that they're a team you'd expect to see in the playoff positions. Um, I've said Dover because I think that the business that they've done this summer under Andy Hessenthaler has been fantastic, and they are well-placed to carry on their end-of-season run of form. Um, Barnet, I think, looks strong. I think they've got a very deep squad. I think they've added a little bit of quality in the, in the likes of uh, Scott Loach. I think that was a, an area they needed to improve on in goal, and they've done that well. A season of uh, solidification at National League level. They brought in James Dunn from Swindon yesterday as well. Um, he's a very strong midfielder who should complement the likes of Charlie Adams very well in midfield. Um, and then the other two, really, Yeovil. I think they're a bit of an unknown quantity. And out of the two relegated sides, uh, as you discussed, I think they're a better place than Notts County to make a fist of it. And Torquay United, they've got the Gary Johnson X factor, and I think he's the best manager in the division. Um, he took up Cheltenham when they weren't the best side in this league, and I think he can uh, get Torquay in the mix as well. Yeah, just talking of Yeovil, I know they've reported Darren Sarl, who was at Stevenage at uh, the start of last season. And he, he basically said there's no room for delusion. He, he's tackling it head on. He's like saying, look, we're in the National League. That's where we are. And um, he's making no bones about it that it will be hard for him to get out of it. And I think he's trying to be realistic. He's trying to get the fans across realistic. And they've been quite sort of understated in the signings as well. I mean, there's only two of us, Dickie and yourself, who've gone for them to get in the playoffs. I think a bit like Notts County, who think they're going to be maybe comfortably mid-table, lower half. One thing they have done, Luke, though, they've signed the goals of Rhys Murphy, and he's a goal-scoring machine. I, I have to admit, I, I don't know how many clubs who wanted a new striker were hoping that they'd sign Rhys Murphy this year, but Yeovil got in there and uh, uh, and got him on board. 20-plus 20, 20 goals in the National League South last season. Every indication that he can do that one level above as well. Yeah, I mean, you you obviously spoke to Darren Smith. He was at Chelmsford. We'll come on to that later on. But he was at Chelmsford last year, and uh, that'll be a big blow for them going forward. In terms of the other playoff candidates, what about yours, Luke? So I've gone for Sully Hall, but I think Wrexham will win it. I think they'll beat Harrogate in the final. Oh, very mm. clairvoyant. Yeah, two one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, when were the goals scored? Yeah. Well, Sean Pearson will score the winner. Captain Fantastic. A bit like Pierre Gianni last year. Um, so I've gone for them. Solihull Moors. Chesterfield. I think, even though they've not made as many signings as they like, they've got a good manager there. And uh, goals of Scott Bolden will uh, help get them through. And of course, um, Liam Mandeville, who decided Doncaster. I've uh, gone for Hartlepool. It was a. It was a real toss-up, really. It was the last two playoff places. I couldn't really decide, but Hartlepool, I think, although they'll get in the playoffs, I don't think they'll trouble anyone when they get in them, but I think they will get in them. And then Bromley, because they made some really shrewd signings, good manager, and I think they're kind of a settled National League side who'll go for it this year. All right, let's have a little look at Chris's predictions. Uh, He's also gone for Chesterfield. I do recall 12 months ago. Two or three of the team predicted Chesterfield to win the title. And of course, at one point, or for a long time, they're involved in a relegation scrap. He's gone for Barnet, um, as well as Tom, um, and Yeovil, as well as Tom, as well. Um, and I think he's the only one that's picked out Stockport. Now, is that head and heart involved there with Chris? He obviously watches them a lot. They are going with a hybrid uh, team, aren't they? A hybrid approach this season. Um, what's really staggered me about Stockport, they made very, very few signings, Luke, yeah. and they've lost a, a quality left-back. Yeah, Scott Duxbury's gone to Fylde. I, I saw them pre-season against Altrincham. Um, they look 
I don't think they concede a lot. They look very solid at the back. It's again, it's a bit of a Wrexham issue for them in that will they score many goals? They have got a lot of last season's team in there. But um, I did see them a week or so ago, and I caught up with midfielder Sam Walker after their pre-season friendly at Altrincham. So I'm here with Stockport County's Sam Walker for the NL Full Time Podcast, the preview podcast that we're doing. And Sam, we're going to rewind back about two or three months, and uh, the last week of the season, you lost it, Charlie. It looked like you were going to go into the playoffs. Then Charlie lost, didn't he? against Darlington then you won your game and then you beat Nuneaton and uh, just tell us about sort of that last week and then your summer <laughs> yeah I mean the last week it was um, from the last Saturday of the season uh, when we played Curzon at home and obviously the Edgeley Park starts erupting and you know something's going on at the, the Charlie Spennymore game obviously as players we weren't too sure what was going on and then you're coming off and Every, everything's pretty euphoric and you know that you've you've got a chance to, to go to Nuneaton and win and, and then we did that and then just the celebrations after that it was it was brilliant we we jumped on the coach from Nuneaton and then we actually had our presentation evening back at the club so we had that and then the club put on a, a really good do for us at, at Brebby Hall so we went and celebrated there um, and then I think it, it carried on and into you can't the remember yeah no yeah it carried on into the Sunday uh, a few of the lads the local lads we, we went out again and, and it was just uh, a real sense of achievement and and you know we just went through that with the summer and I think it's carried on all the way through I mean it doesn't really feel like we've been away too long because we've been in and around each other for various things yeah. but it's just been a great summer you know enjoying what we did um, but obviously we start again from scratch and, and there's a lot more to do. Yeah, obviously you're in the National League now and uh, training's gone up a bit this year, hasn't it, for you? Is it extra training sessions now? Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. been adding the training sessions in. Um, the manager in the club have put a structure in place now to, um, to gear us up to, <coughs> to heading back towards the full-time model that uh, that we were previously. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's more demanding and... Uh, yeah, everyone's just coming back in and wanting to get better every day. Well, here at Altrincham, you know, you've just won 2-1 on a really, really hot evening. I suppose that helps in a way because it helps you get your fitness up in, in, in training in heat like this. It does, yeah, and it tests you mentally, and I think it's really important. You know, it's, the heat's going to take you to places that you're not really uh, too familiar with. Um, but there was a few of us that came through 90 minutes tonight and thought we looked good for it. Um, and and yeah, it's it's the old cliche that a lot of lads use. It's all it's all in the bank, it's all in the tank kind of thing, and uh, just gets you a step closer to where you want to be come the third of August. Yeah, it's um, in terms of the fitness as well. Um, you finished games strongly last season. You've done that again here tonight. Last sort of fifteen minutes, you really wore Altrincham down, and you'll need that because you'll be up against smarter and nearly full-time teams every week, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah, we know that there's going to be a challenge there week to week. Um, with different strengths that that teams possess, um, so we just got to put ourselves in the best position that we can physically. You know, I think we just again we've carried on from the good habits that we had last year, and hopefully we can take them into this season. And I'm sure that we will. Finally, what are the expectations for this season? I know you probably won't want to settle and say it's just about staying up. Is it kind of aiming towards top half? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, expectations are high. We have high expectations for ourselves. Um, you know, as a group, we want to. We want more of what we had last season, uh, and the only way that you do that is working hard, um, being clever, and you know just really taking it to, to every team that you play each week. And we're hungry for, for success. The fans, the club, the staff, all all the players, we're all desperate for success. So 
that's what we're going to be aiming for this again this season. And that was Sam Walker, and of course they, they went up as champions. And I think the fear for him is that they've got like a, a National League North squad in the National League because, like you say, they've got a very good National League North squad. But can they all make the step up? But there is some experience in that squad as well, isn't there, Dickie? Yeah, there is. Um, Stockport started last season a little bit off the pace, but came through exceptionally strongly uh, and you said yeah they've got a lot of experience in there and, and perhaps that continuity in keeping that same group together is, is maybe what Jim Gannon's thinking actually that rather than tear up the script and uh, and, and feel that they need new additions that um, that he wants to give these players a chance feels that they're good enough and, and feels that that, that bond that, that unity that they've got through winning the title last year might, might be enough to, to get them established So Chris standing alone with his prediction for Stock to make the playoffs the other team he's picked out is uh, Wrexham enough said about them on to my five to make the playoffs other interesting than as well sorry Chris has gone for Yeovil to make the playoffs as well I said there's only two of you but Chris has got them quite high up he's got them above Stockport as well so that's three out of five of us going for Yeovil I was just say with Stockport as well surely um, they've made the step up and the continuity is going to be key but they've lost Marty Warburton and when you're going up, when you're going up you know, any striker who can get you 10, 15 goals is crucial, and they just haven't replaced him at all. Um, I know they clearly wanted to keep a tight squad um, and keep that bond and that camaraderie, but when, if you're in that team and you watch Matty Warburton go and see no one come in to replace him at all, you've got to be wondering where your goals are going to come from. Absolutely, Tom. That's a really good point about Warburton. I know that's a big, big loss for Stockport, but well done to him on his particular move to uh, the EFL with Northampton. My five to make the playoffs, Chesterfield, very simple really. Look at their second or final third of the season form, carry that into this season uh, with very similar players and I think they have to be up the right end. Solihull Moors we've discussed in great detail, an absolute cert for the top seven for me. Harrogate Town continue to build. Yes, they've lost Howe, but they've made some good signings too. And I think they'll be right up there again with the learning from last season. Um, Hartlepool, um, a big club. Lots of people plumped for them last year, the year before. Um, I didn't. I do this year, though, because I think Craig Hignett's had enough of an introduction there. He's now got what is effectively his squad together. Um, a little bit of momentum, and I actually kind of hope they do well too, because I know they're going to set out with a very attacking mentality, and he won't compromise on that. And then, yeah, my dark horse is a little bit like yours, Luke Bromley. Um, and one of the reasons for that, do you remember the chat I had with? Uh, He's Neil? a manager you know well, isn't he? Yeah, I've met him several times. He's always obliging with his time, Neil Smith. And I remember saying to him in that interview towards the end of last season, so that's what, three sort of top 10, 11 place finishes the last three years, Neil. I bet you'd swap them all for a tilt at the playoffs. And he said absolutely he would. Now, they struck early in the transfer window and they've signed really, really well. And they've swooped on Ebsfleet, haven't they, basically? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've actually only kept uh, 10 players from last season. But there's some quality in there, of course, with... Mark Anthony, Coy, Jack Holland, Luke Coulson, Adam Mechie will be back and raring to go again, uh, as well as Frankie Raymond and George Porter. But look at some of the players they've brought in. Mark Cousins, a really good, solid uh, National League goalkeeper from, from Barnet. Um, they brought in an, uh, a highly rated uh, right-back, Joe Kizzy from Billericay. Michael Cheek, that's guaranteed goals in the National League. Perhaps the most exciting signing, Billy Bingham, dropping out of the EFL from Gillingham to join them. 
and then as you say um, uh, a couple of others from, from, from Ebb's fleet Adrian Clifton he won all the awards at Maidenhead last year everything uh, top goal scorer player of the year manager's player of the year supporters player of the year everything so that's a good sign in as well uh, and Rico Hackett Fairchild who was uh, on loan from, from Charlton last year has now joined them as well so Bromley really should be up the right end pushing they just need to find the consistency that they've not had in the past Luke and I think that just about wraps up our sort of title and playoff predictions for the National League one thing I'd want to know is why, why Chris hasn't gone for Harrogate in his playoff predictions we've all gone for him apart from Chris and they've signed they've signed experience haven't they and John Stead and, and they've, I think they've actually strengthened the squad I know they've lost Callum Hall That's, that could be a massive blow for him so whether Chris has changed it on that because he got a lot of goals as well from defence but mm. they've still got goals in there so yeah that would be really interesting Chris isn't here to defend himself unfortunately <laughs> is he? he isn't he isn't the, 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 this is the, the hardest bit coming up now boys because nobody likes to actually say someone's going to get relegated and this is the bit which I'm, I know will infuriate some of you listeners as well um, as he's not here let's start with Chris <laughs> and then there we get the first mention I was going to say, say yeah. we've all gone for Charlie haven't we to yes. go down yeah so I shall mean, we start with them let's start with them uh, and let's start with, with Dickie's opinion because I haven't seen him play you have a couple of times yeah I have and um, Charlie did exceptionally well to, to come through the playoffs having led the league for most of uh, the National League North and most of last season and then um, losing out to Stockport later on. I know I spoke to manager Jamie Vermiglio and he, he wasn't in any doubts that his, his team would have the character to do that. I think my concern with them really is around the recruitment now, whether they're thinking along the same lines as Stockport that they've got a solid established group, they've got a core there who've been together for a number of seasons at National League North level. Um, and they're hoping that they, they'll be able to carry that on. I think the only major addition I can think of for Chorley is Chris Holroyd yeah. from Wrexham. I think they'll be tight defensively. I think they'll be very hard to break down the same way as they were in the division below. But I think maybe the goal scoring is, is where my concern is with Chorley. And so I, I don't, you know, it's not a nice thing to, to, to think that anybody's going to get relegated. But um, if Chorley want to use this as motivation and, and stick my prediction on the wall and and uh, you know, show me two fingers at the end of the season by staying up, then that's great. Yeah, and fair play uh, to that. And uh, you know, they can they can put all our pictures up because we've all predicted them to go down. Apologies, Chorley fans. Um, one other team, while Luke is at the bar topping up <laughs> our, our pints, which is fantastic. Um, one other point to make, which perhaps we can talk to you about, um, Dicky, in, in Chris's absence. He and you have both picked Ebbsfleet United to uh, to go down this season. I've got a counter-opinion on this one, but I'd like to hear yours first. Well, I'm probably a little bit, being more northern-based, we're probably mm. less aware of what's going on at Ebbsfleet than mm. yourself. But I suppose from the outside, you could see a lot of the sort of like turmoil that struck towards the end of last season. Um, I said they've been they've been raided for some of their better players by by other teams in the National League, and I just and the National League South, and, and, and yeah. I think just mm. that, that that kind of thing that you need. Successful clubs on the field are generally stable off the field, and if you've not got that off-field stability as well, I think it just makes it even harder. Ebbsfleet got, you know, they turned in some terrific results, even when you know there was rumours of players not getting paid last season. My feeling is that kind of thing can only go on for so long, and eventually will take its toll. So, um, yeah, but I'm interested to hear your view on that, certainly. Okay, what it is, it comes down to Gary Hill. First of all, he's stayed. Um, and it, ca- it must be difficult to recruit players 
because um, players want to get paid for playing football, don't they? And uh, there's no doubt that uh, the Ebbsfleet players players were paid late on many occasions last year. Um, so that would have made Gary Hill's job a little bit tougher. But he's a wily old fox. He's been at this level for a long time. And what I noticed, I want, I want to come to you in a minute, Tom, about this. But what I noticed is that uh, whilst he, he doesn't have a huge squad and he hasn't signed players... Um, Rapidly, it's been a slow uh, mover. Really, he has signed players of good quality, and he's kept some players of good quality, like Nathan Ashmore as well. Um, and for me, Ebbsfleet will have enough. I think probably it's going to be a, a mid-table season for them. Um, Tom, just an opinion on Ebbsfleet because it's uh, it's an interesting one. It's a controversial one, isn't it? What's been going on there, and uh, how do you see things? You haven't gone for them, but what's your opinion? My, my opinion is actually very much the same as yours, Rob. I think um, this is a division which is tight enough that a good manager can make a difference, um, and he can make uh, Gary Hill certainly someone who can make his team great in the sum of their parts. Um, they still have draw despite the money issues. The fact that they're able to pull, pull in Josh Umera, who was released by Charlton this summer, um, up front is a, is a really good signing this level. Um, they've signed Ayo Abelay from Maidenhead, that's not a bad signing at all. Johnny Goddard, um, who you all obviously know well from his older shot days, Rob. Um, and Alfie Egan from Wimbledon's a good signing as well. Um, I think they'll be safe. I agree with you that. And I'd also uh, I look at the predictions and I notice that um, both Chris and Luke and yourself, Rob, have gone from Maidenhead um, to go down. And actually, I, I think I'd put them in the same category as Ebsley. I think they've got a manager who just knows how to beat relegation. Yeah, it's a really good point, Tom. Um, I haven't changed my opinion on Maidenhead, even though they have now signed Bernard Mensah on a season loan, which is a great signing. Um, obviously, they've, they've got proven experience with Shamir Fedelon as well there, and, and one or two others, and he's a wily manager. He's got a lot of nous. I want to ask that. Well, yeah. Dickie and Tom are here. Why, they haven't gone for Maidenhead to be relegated, and why is, why is that? I'd pretty much go the, the, the same factor as has just been mentioned there, which is that Alan Devonshire factor, and he just seems to know how to get teams to be more than the sum of their parts at this level. Uh, I'd say the question you would ask with a lot of teams down there in the league is where are the goals going to come from? Obviously, Clifton's gone, um, Brian Bird's gone, but I don't think that's any great loss. Um, and the players that have come in up front, Shamir Fenelon, don't look at him and think he's going to score a lot. Jake Cassidy hasn't really done it at National League level for a few years now. Um, but the player they're excited about up front down at Maidenhead, based on the pre-season form, is Danny Whitehall, who they signed from Chattanooga FC. Um, he's one of a, a number of players who come in from the United States college system this season. And um, speaking to a few Maidenhead fans on the forums, they're quite excited about Whitehall. He's a big physical lad, and he looks like he could get them a few goals. Yeah, great points, Tom. Um, just to finish off, Chris, Chris's predictions for relegation. One we really we want an explanation from him, don't we? But uh, he's not here. He's gone for Barrow. Tremendous improvement under Ian Ever towards the end of last season. Um, and to be honest, I had to consider them when I thought might they sneak into the playoffs. Um, I think they'll probably be mid-table. Um, but Chris, uh, in your absence, we, we we can't presume what your reasons were. We'll just laugh. No, yeah. <laughs> no. The thing is, it's with that. It's like I know they've not really added, but. On the other hand, they've got a very good manager, haven't they? A very good young manager. You're really impressed with Rob. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, he talk, he, he wasn't satisfied with that improvement at the end of last year. He, he there was a point where they knew they were going to probably finish tenth or eleventh, but he wanted points out of the last few games as well. 
and I think it's been refreshing. Um, the first couple of trips I made up to Barrow, I didn't fancy a because of the long journey and b because of the way they played football. It wasn't pretty at the time, but uh, they have been through a change there now. And uh, Ian Everett, well, it's interesting. First of all, that he's still there. Uh, he believes in what he's doing, and I think they'll be pushing up, uh, sort of upper mid table this season. Um, Let's come on to you, Luke. You've been quiet for a little while. Obviously, we talked about Maidenhead. Been at the bar, Rob. He actually has been at the bar buying a drink. <laughs> I, I, I vouch for that. We kept it seamless at this end, <laughs> didn't we, uh, Dickie and Tom? So, we talked about Maidenhead. Now, you, along with Dickie, um, have gone for Woking. And I have to be honest, I strongly consider them. I've got them a little bit like Aldershot, in my opinion. Uh, lower mid-table, possibly getting sucked into a, a bit of a battle at the wrong end. But... Uh, bearing in mind uh, <laughs> my role in the local derby, I've left Woking out of my equation for the re for, for the relegation. Why have you gone for them? Just the inexperience of the manager at that level. Alan Dawson and Martin Tyler are very good at National League South level and below, but they've never managed at this level. And you've got some big managers with big teams who may just out tactically think them. I think, and they are part time, fully part time. Yeah, that that's the difference, really. And I just think I think they'll give it a good go. I think they'll just fall short. I was going to say, you'll get a good indicator in the, well, the second game of the season. Well, one it? thing I will say, that, that, that derby incredibly comes up on the first Tuesday of the season, working at home to Aldershot. I'll be there commentating. John Moore will be alongside me and we'll get to see. I have to say, as an Aldershot-related person, I don't really want to be playing Woking second game of the season. They've just come up. They've got momentum. Their first home game, isn't it, as well? Yeah, exactly. Their first home game. It's all ticket as well. Uh, the Aldershot allocation uh, almost I think it's sold out as we as we record this so uh, you know it's it's a little bit of a uh, a tough start for for my team but uh, coming on to uh, the other predictions uh, Luke that you've gone for you did it last year and I think you've done it again out of tradition haven't you you've gone for Sutton United to go down uh, I don't think I went for Sutton oh, well, last year. Chris, I went for Sutton the year before. Oh, the year before. Yeah, right, but sure. I just obviously the Doswell factor. They've lost a lot of players, haven't they? They brought in an experienced manager. He was assistant manager at all the shot, if I'm right. Matty Gray, yeah. Yeah, so I'd, again, bit of inexperience, bit of upheaval. The, th the 3G thing doesn't seem to work in their favour as much last mm -hmm. year, so. That'll be really interesting to see how they cope with that. I mean, Tom's obviously well in with the people at Gander Green Lane as well. Uh, he might disagree with me, I don't know, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I, I do disagree. Um, I think you're right with the comments about the 3G yeah. as well. Um, but I think they're going to play a very different style under Matt Gray, purely based on the signings they've made. Um, there's been a lot of talk about all the players that have followed... Um, Paul Doswell down to have Waterlooville. There's been seven players in total that have gone down the A3 with him. Um, but looking at the way Matt Gray wants to play, I don't think any of them would have been a big part of his squad this season. But what he has done is he's brought in a lot of young players with a lot to prove. David Adjaboy from Worthing. He's um, right down that name for the National League this season because I think he can do big things with Side United. Um, he was an absolute live wire when he was at Worthing last season. I think he finished with 17 goals for them. Um, but, but Tom, it's a step up, isn't it? So it is, yeah. it, it is a step up, but I think he's got all the physical attributes. So quick, so wiry, so live on the ball. I think he's got all the attributes to make that step up. I think there's something positive under Matt Gray at Saturn. I really do. I think at the end of the day, Paul Doswell, as good a manager as he's been there for a long time, there's a possibility things have gone a little bit stale. They have made good signings. He's brought in young players with something to prove. He's brought in guys like Ben Goodlin, who's dropped out from Wolverhampton Wanderers, and brought in 
Aaron Jarvis and Luton, Will Randall from Newport, there are players who've got something to prove we are going to be looking to use this as an opportunity to jump back into the football league. Tom, it's a really difficult one, Sutton. Um, you know, I can't duck this. Um, I've, I've picked them to just drop into the bottom four as well. Um, and it is really difficult to find four sides you think will go down because there's so much positivity about at the moment. Probably the counter arguments would be, yeah, that Aaron Jarvis has been prolific in pre-season. And uh, for me, I'm not overall impressed by the players they've brought in and, and they've brought in plenty. And I think they've had to bring in plenty. It's a big old change of the guard at Sutton. Doswell's taken quite a lot of the players. Uh, some of the others have gone elsewhere. Um, not massively impressed with the players they've bought in. Uh, the number nine shirt's going to go to Omar Bugil, and I, I, I don't think he's prolific at this level. I think he has his days, he has his moments. But perhaps if there is going to be a saving grace for Sutton, then it's who they've kept. Jamie Collins, Tom Bollerina, Kenny Davis, Harry Butyman, Craig Eastman, uh, uh, Jamie Butler and Tommy Wright back at the club as well um, and that's why that is m by far the most precarious of my own uh, relegation predictions uh, Dickie who else have you gone for? Uh, I went for Woking as well you kind of touched on Woking Might, uh, for me it's just that step up from the level below particularly staying part time and, and there's a lot of established teams in that league there's a lot of bigger teams in that league and I just think Woking might find it hard um, and my other one that I think four of the fivers have gone for is, is FC Halifax Town. Again, three I think was three of us. Three of us went for it. Is it three? Myself and it is three. myself and Chris didn't go for them, and I'll come on to my reasoning shortly. It was very close to being four. Mm. I, th I think it's just the. Um, Again, I think there's there've been rumours that they changed manager during the summer. Pete Wilde, the former Oldham Athletic manager, has come in. Um, I don't think the recruitment's been particularly great. I think there was a rumour that pre-season games being cancelled for some reason. Lack of, right? lack of players. Lack of players, and you mm. know, lack of players in pre-season. I, I hope that doesn't tell a story for Halifax, but I fear that it might. Yeah, I think if you're looking at logical factors then that's probably why at least three of us have gone for Halifax because they're all there aren't they the manager decided for whatever his reason we don't know exactly what they were that he wasn't happy with it and he's off mm. he's gone towards the end of pre-season which makes a really really difficult task for the incoming uh, manager um, it's a small squad there may be some room to bring a few more players in um, but I, if you look at the four players that have come in there's nobody out there that nobody there that makes me think wow you know he's He's, uh, he's going to really pull up trees. Toby Show Silva has been out for, I think, quite a long while, injured last season. And, um, and Jamie Allen, uh, you know, competent at the National League level, but not necessarily uh, prolific. If there's going to be a, a twist, a saving grace for Halifax, again, it'll be with the quality of some of the players they've kept. Sam Johnson, who I put in my National League Team of the Year last year, I think he's a really solid keeper. And then the likes of Matty Brown, great leader at the back, and Josh Staunton. Uh, Dale Southwell's still there as well, who knows where the net is. Um, but for me, uh, they will be one of the four teams that go down. This was a... Yeah, I had have a... I put in a WhatsApp group a few weeks ago I thought they'd go down and then the point of Pete Wilde just changed my mind because Chris has also not put him in and he'll, he's seen a lot of Oldham a lot more than me but whether it's the fact he was an Oldham fan and it gave him that extra 10% but what he did at Oldham with that squad to go and win at Fulham 
in the FA Cup as well. He's, he's good with youngsters. He's getting so. a reputation as a bit of a firefighter, isn't he? Because he he's is. done it twice now at Oldham. He is. And now he's come in at the last hour for Halifax. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised he, he's taken a job on. But if they've got some good young players there, he'll work with them. And I know Oldham were really, the Oldham fans are really sorry to see him go. Um, he's obviously had a taste for management and now he wants it. Um, and I think, I think they'll be down there. But they won't be in the bottom four, and I think his sort of enthusiasm and his motivation will keep them around the bottom six or seven without dropping into the bottom four. Finally, then on the relegation uh, pr- predictions, we're going to have to come back to Tom. I think one way or another, we've mentioned most of the clubs. The other four of us have predicted, but there's a couple of uh, curveballs in there from Tom. Um, I touched on them earlier: Notts County, Tom, and also uh, Eastley. Your thinking behind those two predictions? So, Notts County, let's bear in mind I, I sent these over a good week ago, so this was before the takeover, um, and I could could bottle it and pull out of this one, but you know what, I'm going to lean in. There's always somebody who comes down and really struggles. Um, there's always room for someone to do a York City and have a double relegation. To be honest, even though they've been bought out, the season starts on Saturday. Um, it's going to be very difficult for them to bring in the players they want to with them signed and, uh, and, and integrated the team. I know they've been trialling players, um, but that's very different from having someone actually embedded with the squad. Uh, on top of that, I just think the sort of the, the lack of morale around the club could be really dangerous to their chances. And if it takes them a month or two to get settled into the season and start picking up results, that could be too late already because it is going to be a fight. The other curveball I've gone for is Eastley. They, they really struggled in the second half of last season particularly. Um, and I think they look considerably worse this time around. Losing Josh Hare, Mark Yeats, Joey Jones, Paul McCallum and Oscar Gober, that's going to be almost impossible to replace. And I don't think the players they've brought in are going to replace them. You're losing 27 league goals in the form of Paul McCallum. And if you think you're going to replace them with Scott Randall, then you're smoking something that a lot of people want to buy, to be honest. I just can't see them having enough in their squad. It's not a big squad, and I also don't think it's got the quality to stay up. Quick question then, Rob. You've seen Scott Randall. Will he score the goals for Eastley? If he's given the service, most definitely. And he's he's good at setting up as well, um, just little little sets and knockdowns. Um, I think he had a pretty good season after his initial injury problems last year. Uh, he finished strongly for Aldershot. I think he's still got another good season or two in him. Uh, 20 goals, no, but uh, maybe 10 to 15, yes. Um, I've just had a very, very quick, and uh, in order to wrap up the National League, I've had a quick flick through all 24 teams, and I think there's just two we haven't mentioned. So we're obviously between us saying they're ultimately mid-table, but let's touch on them, particularly for the supporters of those clubs who may listen in. Boreham Wood and Dagenham. I'll just start on Boreham Wood. I, I am a fan of Luke Garrard. I mean, I have heard some counter-opinions now, but uh, obviously had that fantastic season the season before last, and then a very ropey one last year where it just didn't happen for Boreham Wood. They have um, just re-signed Justin Shaby from uh, Brentford on loan, which is a big signing for him. I really like... And then picked up David Gregory from Bromley as well. Yeah, I really like their signings. Those two have come in late, and that's on top of uh, Tyrone Marsh coming in, who we know can deliver at this level. Kabongo Shimanga, who's been prolific for Oxford City um, and I really think deserves an opportunity at this level. Uh, Adam McDonnell, who at times last season, even in a struggling Aldershot Town side, um, was being looked at by uh, EFL clubs. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I think this year Luke Garrard has to deliver something up the top end for, for Borenwood again, as much as, of course, as ever, they're batting above their weight, probably the smallest club um, in the National League. Yeah. Uh, what about Dagenham? Anybody got a strong opinion on them? No. No. <laughs> no, I think, I think they'll be top ten. I mean, they'll have invested well, but I don't think they've invested as much as people have, uh, have thought, have they? So... Um, They'll, they could be pushing in and around in the playoffs, but they'll probably just miss out, I think. Certainly, in my opinion, anyway. Well, they got a little bit of money in because, uh, well, obviously, what happened at the end of the season, Macaulay Bond was snapped up from Orient, and Orient came straight out and uh, signed Connor Wilkinson. There was a little bit of money about. They have um, added quite a few players. The standout players for me, Harold Adamity, I don't know how you say his name. Uh, from Maidenhead, he's always impressed me in midfield. He's big and strong. I love to see him in the Aldershot side. Reese Grant, who scores goals and uh, probably wasn't given quite the chance he should have been by Gary Waddock at Aldershot last year. James Dobson from uh, Sutton, Mitch Brandle from Dover, um, and uh, Joe Quigley, the striker from uh, from Bromley. Also, uh, Manny Onarisa is 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 now permanently at Dagenham, having having been there on loan from Rotherham last year, and. Quick final word from, from you, Tom, on Dagenham. There are much, much higher expectations there this season. Yeah, rightly so. Um, I think personally, if I was to look at you now, I'm not talking like Chester Field and not County sides, but we know a big club to expect to do well. Um, but just happens to be the sleeping giants of, of the National League division. I think they've got the potential to play at a much higher level when you look at the fan base in the area that they're in, for example. Um, and I agree with you, I think they've signed well. I think there is a level of expectation there. I think fans would expect the playoff push, maybe not to finish the playoffs, but certainly will get the season. Whether or not Peter Taylor is the right manager to get the best out of this quite attacking lineup that we've got, um, I don't know. Um, and I'm really excited to see how Juan settles in. Juan, Joe, I'm not sure. I'm going to go through the exotic way. Um, have to see how Luke settles in. Um, he really demonstrated a lot of potential, which got him that move up to Lincoln City, and unfortunately didn't quite work out. But his former Concord Rangers at the end of last season brilliant, and that's got him to move back. We'll just look at the top scorer now in the National League. It's between Danny Rowe and Paul McCallum. It's 3 2 to Danny Rowe. Um, Dickie and Rob have both gone for Paul McCallum, and the rest of us have gone for Danny Rowe. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, last year none of us went for Danny Rowe, and he did it again, didn't he, for the second year? So, uh, you know. He'll score about five this year now, <laughs> won't he? Well, I was thinking he, he's not really had much in the way of injury problems. He's been pretty consistent, pretty prolific. And he's certainly the logical choice. But I just think Paul McCallum has finally put together the season that he's promised for a little while. And I think he's going to get chance after chance playing for that Solihull Moors side. He is going to get so many deliveries into the box. And he's very, very strong, very good with his head. And he can finish too. That's my thinking. And I just thought I'd support Dickie. Otherwise, we were going to go four and one. So it's Rowe versus McCallum. Anyone else we should mention that might just push? Maybe JJ Hooper at uh, Wrexham? Yeah, and even Kurt Reece Willoughby. Reese Murphy, Murphy, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, maybe Mark Beck. Mark Beck at Harrogate. Yeah. Now he's going to yeah. have a full season. Depending on quick, how quickly Notts County settle in, the one person that is causing, that is giving them some sort of excitement for the league is NDA Bold by uh, Notts County fans. He's going to do very well. 
We'll move on to the National League South now. Three of us have gone for Haven't to win the National League South. Rob, Tom and Dickie have all gone for Haven't and Waterlooville. Is that... Is that the Doswell factor, Tom? It is based on two things, really. It's based on Paul Doswell. He's a very good manager. Um, he did very well with Sutton at this level and then uh, obviously proved his class in the National League with Sutton. Um, but it's also the strength of that squad that they've built there. Um, this is, no doubt, a better team than the one that was relegated from the National League. Um, the players they brought in, almost all of them do a job at National League still. I'm particularly looking at Danny Kenwell, Simon Walton, Anthony Straker from Bath City. He might be about 43 years old, but he has got an absolute engine on him. Um, and Jonah Rianga, who flattered the deceive at Sutton last season, but he scored six and four in pre-season already. This is comfortably the strongest squad in the National League. you look past the top two or three teams, it's not that strong um, compared to maybe the National League North. Uh, and I think you can see Haven't racking up some big scores against some of the smaller teams in this division. 100% Tom, six players Doswell's bought from Sutton and three from Ebbsfleet as well. Magri Kedwell, uh, which he, he, you know he's going to feature in our predictions for top goal scorer in the National League South and Andy Drury as well. And uh, you know that's literally one quality player from each uh, of the three departments, defence, midfield and up front, just from Ebbsfleet alone. So. Uh, I think they're absolutely uh, going to be front runners um, and uh, for me, to be honest, I didn't dwell on this one, nailed on title winners haven't at Waterlooville. I didn't dwell on mine, I went for Maidstone, just for the experience of John Still, John Still who's in the background of Hacken Heretton, Hacken Heretton will be the main man there won't he, but uh, again they've made some decent signings so... They'll run haven't, and I think they'll run haven't very close. And I won't be surprised if they shocked him. And I'm the only one who's gone for Maidstone. Chris has gone for Billy Ricky, and of course we'll talk about them. I think Maidstone will uh, be in a playoff position and quite possibly win the playoffs as well, as as does Chris. Um, so I expect them to be right up there as well. And if you push me on it, yeah, if you push me on it, I I, I would say that the National League South title winners can only come from haven't Maidstone. Or Billericay. Yeah. We'll come on to Billericay in a minute. I mean, you're right. I think those are those are the three strongest teams in the division. And Billericay Town, they they need a preview podcast all of their own, to be honest. And I'm really interested to hear Nicky's thoughts on why he's he's, uh, he's gone for them for the title. But I think having all of will have the potential to be so dominant in this division, we could see a, a bigger winning margin than Torquay's ten points last year. Yeah, Chris has gone for him. Dickie, you've gone for having having um, same reasons really as the other yeah, guys. Yeah, it's that Paul Doswell factor again, and just the, just the number of players that he's he's taken with him and the, and the experience that he has. But um, yeah, I can I, you know again, I wouldn't want to prejudge why Chris might have gone for Billericay, but obviously you look at some of the players that they brought in. Um, the likes of Matt Reed, I think Doug Loft has come in. He was playing in League One for Shrewsbury last year. Um, and it's, I suppose it's that it's that off-field stability and the other things that go on at Billericay is is the thing that um, always makes you have that slight doubt in your mind. Is is that are things going to stay stable? But the only thing I'd say is, is Matt Reed kind of the key signing. And I will tell you another player as well. I know he's got a little niggle at the minute. He's injured, but Jordan Parks, top scorer at Hemel last year, mm. a good side in the middle of midfield as well. Ronnie Henry, a lot of experience from Stevenage. And Craig Robson, a really, really versatile player. He can play in your back four or even holding midfield, has come in from, from Barnet. I think there's every logical reason 
looking at the players, looking at the, those that have come in, as as ever, Tom, with that club, um, you know, that you've, you've referred to as being a bit of a circus show at times, you just don't know. Is there going to be stability throughout that whole entire season? That's, that is the eternal question, isn't it, under the, under the current leadership of the club? Um, I want to believe, I really do, there's so much passion in the Billericay Town fan base at the moment. They're really energised by what's going on. And I want to believe in, and I couldn't agree more on Jordan Park. I thought he was probably the standout player in the National League South last season. Um, and they've signed him and they were already building on a very good squad. The transfer business feels more grown up this time around. There's no ex-Premier League players bought in on absurd wages. Um, I'm sure they're paying a good wedge to Matt Reed and Doug Lockett and the like, but there's none of those sort of showy, but probably uh, likely to underwhelm signings. But the eternal question is, will it stick? Will we get to November and if we run a four, and will the toys be thrown out of the pram again? Simple fact is, once is never, twice is always. Um, as much as we want to believe that Glenn Tampton's turned over a new league, we've seen this before, haven't we? Yeah, that's, that's it. I think the thing with Bellericke is that like, Tampon keeps his head down, isn't it? We've all gone for him to make the playoffs. Um, he's assistant manager now to Harry Wheeler, isn't he? Yeah, and so that's the thing. If he lets Harry Wheeler get on with it, they've got a chance, haven't they? If he starts <laughs> interfering. How can you have an assistant manager that's also the chairman? I just don't get it. But there you go. Um, he is a very, very passionate man. And I've seen his appeals on Twitter for people to come along and be a part of it. And uh, you can't knock his enthusiasm. That is for sure. One other team that we've all gone for, like Villaricky, to be in the playoffs is Bath City. Now, um, let's kind of twist this one round. Given that they've lost Anthony Straker, given that they've also lost Robbie Cundy to uh, Bristol City, and he was the players, supporters and managers player of the year last season, at Bath um, Tom looking at the eight names that have come in is that part of, what, part of why you've gone for them to still be up there again it is it, it, that's a really big part of it um, fact is that they had the best defence in the division last season and now three of those crucial players are either departed or one injured in the form of Jack Batten but they have signed well again um, Connor Riley though who is Truro City's player of the year and supports player of the year last season he was a real standout for Truro City last season in quite a difficult campaign as was Tyler Harvey and they picked up both of those um, Tom Smith is a really, really tidy midfielder who now signed on a permanent for Cheltenham Town um, and I just think Jerry Gill knows how to set his team up um, I've always believed with Bath that their defence is based more on the system than the players that fill it. Um, Anthony Straker replaced uh, by, by Conor Riley Lowe, uh, that's almost, uh, or, and Alex Hartridge as well, who made Lowe from City. Those are like like replacements with that stamina down the left. Um, Robbie Cundy, anyone would miss, miss him, but Dan Hall, who slots straight in, is a really solid defender in his own right. So. I just really think that the, this is Bath's year, and that's why I've tipped them to actually win themselves. Uh, assuming they make. And you as well, Dickie. You've gone from to, to uh, be successful in the playoffs. Uh, Bath City, yes, I have. Um, we spoke about those those players who've departed there. I think um, acquiring uh, Tyler Harvey, who is I think third leading scorer in the league last year for Truro. Um, might help to sort of replace some of those goals that have disappeared, and and yeah, that was that was my reason for sticking with them. To be honest, good stuff. There is actually another team, a third team that we've all gone for for the playoffs, and if you're listening, Clara Army Podcast, um, it's your team, Chelmsford City, always in the playoffs, never get out of them. Um, I, I did nail my colours to the mast 
on the Clara Army podcast a couple of weeks ago to say that I think they'll do exactly the same again. We all think they'll play, make the playoffs. None of us think they'll come through. What better than to speak to uh, the man himself that does that podcast, Darren Smith of uh, the uh, Clara Army podcast. And uh, I caught up with him pre-season for his thoughts on uh, what's going on at Chelmsford. Right, chaps. Um, it's imperative that we get some expert views on the NL t- full-time podcast from the National League South. And no better than uh, our, our next guest, Darren Smith from the Claret Army podcast that uh, covers uh, Chelmsford uh, in the National League South. The perennial playoff achievers that don't quite go on to complete the job. Um, highs and lows in that. What's it like being a Chelmsford fan, Darren? Yeah, as you say, highs and lows, sadly. So, uh, yeah, not about the end of last season, sadly. Missing out uh, in the semi-final there at Welling uh, with a last-minute penalty goal against us. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, can't complain too much. You're up there every year, but yeah, it's time to make that last step, unfortunately. And this coming season, um, you've got an experienced manager there in Rod Stringer, and uh, he's kept quite a lot of defenders and midfielders, but he's... uh, He's rolled the dice uh, up front and in goal. Uh, tell us your thoughts on his recruitment this summer. Yeah, he's, he's done well, obviously losing big player in recent life. He had top scorer last year, he's gone to Yeovil, but he's bought well. We've got a very reliable keeper in Carl Pentney. He's joined us from Maidenhead, so it's a very good signing. And up front, uh, he's made some good signs there as well in uh, Sean Jeffers, uh, who we had a couple of years ago, who scored a lot of goals for us. Sam Higgins, um, perennial top scorer at East Thurrock in that division and also Jamal Loza who's been around uh, the clubs in the league recently but another big threat up front so hopeful that uh, those four players uh, will add alongside others to, uh, to give us another successful season But as far as Chelmsford you know your manager you know the bulk of your midfield and defence and the players you've brought in are proven so what does it all add up to Darren uh, where are Chelmsford going to finish this season? Well, as you say, for the reasons you've explained, it's a very tough league this season, I think. But I'm confident, all being well, obviously, with no crazy injury crisis and things like that, that, that you know, Rod will have us up there in the mix again for promotion um, in and around them playoffs. So, um, but to stay for it, maybe I'll go semi positive and say fifth in the division. Uh, and hopefully, this time, uh, we'll get through it. And, uh, well done, for, well done for being brave. We'll we'll make a note of that prediction. <laughs> Check it out at the end of the season. Um, who do you see challenging for the title? Who do you think, given the sort of comings and goings of the players over the summer, might struggle a bit? I think you've got to look at having Waterlooville as, as, as the favourites. I'll say the teams that come down, not only obviously for that reason, but the fact they've got in Paul Doswell, who's since could bring brought some great success at Sutton and has brought a, a lot of players across from there, and also from. Uh, like the Ebbs that have been playing at the league above and uh, experienced at this level so I think they'll be the ones up there you've got Maidstone coming down as well obviously who will push uh, and from the teams that have, were there last season I'll probably say Billy Ricky obviously always got a competitive side there with the main expand and Hemel Hempster the big one that I'd be interested to see how they fare as they've obviously put Sammy Moore over from Concord where he did well last year uh, brought a few of those players across uh, and some others mm-hmm. as well so I think they're the teams that would be I think will be pushing up. They've also got the likes of Bath and uh, Dartford and Welling from last year. They'll be up there as well. But and the teams coming up, I think could be could do well. Um, Dorking and Weymouth will, will push. So yeah, tough league um, down the bottom. Tough. I don't know. I mean, you've got the smaller teams down in Hungerford, Chippenham, but they they did really well last year. Uh, mm. Eastbourne. Um, it's 
it's tough. I mean, for the smaller teams, obviously, to, to compete with the bigger teams that are coming down and the ones that are coming up, even who've got some money and, and crowds behind them. So, mm. yeah, it's 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 very tough to call. And it's always so difficult, isn't there. it? Nobody wants to sort of predict, you know, uh, a team that their team's going to come up against to go down <laughs> before the start of the season, because you know what that's going to lead to when the when the two sides meet and. Uh, Probably a, a, a sort of crushing defeat to that side, <laughs> but um, one question, one team I'm intrigued about um, for several reasons, really, because they've been up and down. Because uh, Aldershot now have their manager from last season, uh, spirited fight towards the end under Danny Self for Braintree, but um, for them, it's a new manager, almost a completely new squad. Again, they weren't able to sustain National League Premier football. What sort of season do you think they've got ahead? Yeah, it can be interesting. Um, obviously, Bradley Quinton did brilliantly to get them back up somehow the year before, obviously, last season, um, in, the, in the playoffs themselves. Uh, obviously, coming down again and losing. Danny Cowley left was it that season, which uh, before that one. But yeah, to come down from there and then get back up was, was a great achievement this year. I'd be very surprised if they got near that again. I imagine I'd be looking to, to just consolidate a little bit in, in the table there obviously I was imagine there's a huge I'm followed closely but I imagine there's a huge change in the, in the squad there as well and obviously got a new manager coming up uh, from below as well so yeah I think I wouldn't expect them to be up there challenging this year but um, then again a relegation probably not but again you know it's so competitive with the league you wouldn't rule out anything really but, um, but yeah I think it'll be a change in the season for them Great stuff, Darren. Thank you so much for joining us on the NL Full-Time Podcast. So if you want to listen to Chelmsford's podcast, it's called the Clara Army Podcast. Darren, please come on and join us again uh, on a few occasions throughout the season and uh, review the National National League South results with us. That was Darren Smith of the Clara Army Podcast and we've all gone for Chelmsford to be the bridesmaids again, once again. Uh, Yeah, I I, I heard what you said. I thought we got into the ballot there. I think if we try and go too deep on every team then we're going to end up with a very long podcast that's fine you, you, you spoke to him Rob I mean yeah. how, how, how was he feeling Was do you think he's he's kind of resigned to them getting in the playoffs and not making it again yeah I think so I think it becomes it becomes what you're used to and I don't think there was any strong logical argument for why it would be any different they're expected to be at the right end of the table again but it's a very very tough division to get out of um, they did beat uh, all shot 1-0 pre-season. I didn't get to the game, so I can't really comment on it. But uh, I think they'll be up there again. And uh, we wish, of course, Chelmsford uh, the best of luck for the for the coming season. One team one yeah. team I wanted to mention, Tom, you've gone on about them a lot, is Dorking. And I'm the only one who's predicting to get into the playoffs. And I, I think they'll do really well this year. But um, nobody else has gone for them. So what, what are your reasonings on that, boys? <laughs> Well, my reason for not going for the, for the playoffs is simple. Um, they have a history of consolidation before trying to go up. Uh, Mark White, who's the manager and, and owner, he's put a lot of money into the club. They've developed the infrastructure behind it. They're a really well-run uh, uh, entity down there. But they do have a history for consolidating first. They did it in the Istanbul League, and I think they're going to do it in the, uh, in the National League South as well. They've only signed two players, both very good players at this level, I should add. Um, Rob obviously will know Jay Gallagher very well. Um, and they've got a strike force to be reckoned with in Jason Pryor and Elliot Buchanan. But um, I think that their goal would be mid-table, and then they'll look at what they can do to improve, strengthen, and then look to get promoted next season. Okay, just wrapping up the National League South then. A few other teams that have come into our thinking for the uh, playoffs. 
Uh, Chris and Dickie have gone for Dartford to finish uh, in the top seven. Luke has gone for St Albans. I think Slough will build on what they started last year as well and sneak in. Friend of the podcast, Scotty Davis, has just re-signed back at Slough, hasn't he? He has, so we'll get him on again and then we'll know what he's talking about because he'll have played against the opposition we're talking about. Um, two other teams to mention and we'll throw it back over to Tom uh, Welling. Now, uh, Tom, you... Chris and Dickie have all said Welling still playoffs. I think differently. I think they've lost too much quality. Um, and then, to be fair to you, you're the only one brave enough to say Dulwich Hamlet will make the playoffs this coming season. And uh, and why shouldn't they, of course, with crowds of over 3,000 every week? Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll talk about Welling first then. I mean... I've actually uh, I dropped them out of my predictions today um, when I saw the news that um, Giannis Ambrosini had moved to Dulwich Hamlet, Jordan Gibbons has gone to Chelmsford and Magnus Ogbonke has retired from football altogether. Um, I actually, I like the business they've done, they got a lot of it done early um, and there seems to be a bit of a revolving door between Dulwich Hamlet and Welling, Welling this season, there's been about 10 players that have switched between the two. But um, actually, I'm not confident on Welling. I think there are other teams that will be better than them. Um, Jack Jebb's fitness is going to be crucial for them. Um, but but Dulwich, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think it's a brave shout to put them up for promotion this season. Um, they've signed some really good players. They've brought in um, David Ajaha from Welling, is uh, one of the most solid fielders in the league. Danny Mills has really hit the ground running um, in pre season. Uh, Adi Yusuf from Folkestone has really had the ability to score them goals and as you say Rob, that 2,000 plus average attendance is going to really, really drive them on. Um, they've got some sparks from X Factor in the likes of Ayan Pakvash and uh, Nairon Clunis. So yeah, I really think they could, could hit the playoffs this season and of course that's without even talking about Gavin Rose. Um, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right Tom, you did let me know earlier that you were changing your mind on Welling and you've also gone for Hemel Hempstead as I have. Of course a mass exodus there from uh, down the road in um, Concord, uh, the manager and a lot of the players have, have, have left Concord and gone to Hemel. Yeah, exactly, and you know when you sign, uh, sign pretty much the entire team from the 7th best team in the division last season, kind of like to be finishing around the same sort of place this time out with you. Now relegation, we're really, really sorry Tunbridge Angels, you've done amazingly well to get up to the National League South and to any of your fans that are listening in, we apologise but Dickie, Luke, Rob and Tom have all said it might just be too big an ask this season, very, very competitive division. But Chris, Chris is welcomed in Kent with open arms because he's not predicting him to go down, has he? Absolutely, but uh, Chris and Tom risking the wrath of our regular listener, uh, Mr Ian Herring at Hungerford. Got to be honest, Ian, I thought about it. Can he pull off the great escape again? And I think he can. There's yeah. new blood yeah. at that club. James Constable. Yeah, James Constable there to support him. Good feeling, some really forward-thinking, off-the-pitch stuff at Hungerford. And we wish you really, really well, Ian. Um, thanks for your support of the podcast again. And and obviously, um, Chris and Tom have done their bit to spur you on. Indeed. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard Charlie Austin's rap as well by posting about it on Twitter. Um, now, 
Okay, just a quick wrap up. We've all picked one other team to go down other than the ones we've mentioned. So Chris has gone for St Albans. That seems quite surprising to me. Dickie has gone for Dorking Wanderers, stepping up to this level for the first time. Chippenham fans will be pleased to know that I'm the only one this year that's predicted them to go down. There were two or three last year, weren't there? Solid um, mid-table, Rob. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, finally, Luke, uh, you've gone for Oxford City, yeah. presumably without the goals of Kabongo Shimanga. Exactly, Rob. Yeah, that's the, that's the main reason. Um, he was there, mate. I think he got... 30 odd goals he scored half, over half their goals last year so he'll be a big miss for them and difficult to replace OK top scorer in the National League South well uh, Tom and Chris gone for Danny Cadwell the obvious threats he'll bang in a few penalties as well uh, Dickie has gone for Tyler Harvey Luke understandably Jason Pryor where he was prolific two seasons ago back in the National League South and I might have to uh, have editors' rights and change my. I've gone for Moses and Manuel, but since they've can't signed, do that. The deadline's yeah, finished. Rob, sorry, deadline's over. Deadline's Li- over. A little bit worried by the amount of other forwards that Billericay have signed. Whether Moses Emmanuel will still get a game. What do you think, Tom? Um, yeah, I think we should do. I think he's probably going to be behind Jake Robinson in the packing order. Going to be down to Jake Robinson and Moses Emmanuel to top score for Billericay. I think. Okay, excellent. We'll we'll move on to the National League North now. In the National League North, all but one of us have gone for York City to win the league. Now that's Chris. He's gone for Chester City. Um, I think because of Anthony Johnson and Bird and Marley, really. Although the um, they got humbled at SC United on Tuesday night, and Bird and Marley was pretty furious about that. They lost by four goals to nil. But Dickie, we can't look past York City. Can with the signings they've made. Steve Watson's there. They brought in Steve McNulty, uh, Dan McGuire, who will come on to later on as well um, you can't look past him for the title can you no I think you, you started to see um, the, the change in New York City when, when Steve Watson took over last um, probably about January February time they improved considerably towards the end of the season I think there was even a chance that they if they'd have put a late run in they could even have made a final spot but, it, but it's that recruitment I think, I think people thought that Steve Watson might go and raid Gateshead for their better players but it's actually he's gone and taken three from Blythe Spartans um, and it's that spine that he's strengthening there um, he's brought in Dan Maguire who fans at National League North level will know very very well indeed for his, his goal scoring um, Pete Jamieson the goalkeeper's come in uh, he's brought in the likes of Andy Bond from AFC Fylde which is another really really good signing and, and Steve McNulty at centre half I say he's just strengthened all the way down the middle in that side there and that suggests to me that the York City particularly with the move to a new stadium uh, due to happen sometime in this forthcoming season they'll be 
my feeling is there'll be an air of optimism, optimism around that club and a lot of lot more go-ahead thinking than perhaps there has been in recent years and they look like a team to beat. So even though Chris hasn't predicted York to win the league, he's predicted them to win the playoffs at least so um, we all do think that York will go up at some point in the season. The playoffs is where it gets interesting now, obviously a bit of a heart's coming overhead here Dickie, you've gone for Telford to win it. I, I know you're close by me, but I haven't even put them into the playoffs, so don't punch me for that. I was I was literally tying between Telford and Brackley all like all the time I was doing it, but I don't know, I just think the loss of Daniel Udo could be a bit of a, uh, a big blow for Telford and also you're a bit of a known quantity now as well. So what's your reason for Telford to win it? Yeah, I, I understand you, you're thinking on that one in that last season, uh, Telford took a lot of teams by surprise um, and losing Dan Udo is a blow, but then you've replaced that with, with Aaron Williams, who is, is a proven player at this level. So I'm hoping there's not too much of a drop-off in that sense. And I think as much as the, the, the incomings at Telford have been very small, um, in that Adam Walker and Chris Late are the only real additions, and we've, they've added Doug Thorne from um, Wrexham on loan as well. I just think that it's the quality of the additions that have come in there which will just help sort of bolster them and, and I know manager Gavin Cowan is all about progression, he's all about improvement. He said to me that if he didn't feel that the players in this group could improve and could progress that he would have made changes but he hasn't done so he's clearly got faith in them and I think just those additions he's made will, will hopefully be enough. Yeah there is a little bit of heart in there I have to admit that but, um, but I think there's enough of the head in there as well to say if they improve on last season they're a playoff team. Yeah, interestingly, uh, I've gone for Spenny Moore. I think they'll, they'll get over the disappointment. They've got a good manager in Jason Ainsley. Signed some good experienced players, Carl Magne amongst them as well. Uh, both Rob and yourself, Tom, have gone for Brackley. Brackley, I wasn't sure because they've had a bit of turmoil off the pitch course. They had that sad event with a fire in the clubhouse and things like that. And I think that's knocked them back a little bit. And um, they just that team's going to be one year older, isn't it, Dickie? They've kind of kept it together and it's going to be another year older again and do they have it to go up? Yeah, I mean the, the, the core of players they've got at, at Brackley, I mean they were they were very successful as a group at Nuneaton, then they were very successful as a group at Solihull and they've done exactly the same at Brackley, you know they've made Brackley a side who are consistently in the playoffs under Kevin Wilkin, they won the FA Trophy the season before last and, and they've retained the core of that, so I think it's probably the players that they've they've added to that are slightly unknown quantities at this level. They lost centre half Connor Hall to, to Harrogate as well. He's he's gone up a division, um, but but I can see them being there again. Absolutely. Most of us have gone for Oldham as well in the playoffs. The only one who wasn't surprisingly is Chris, who uh, was raving about their football last year, and they've kept the team mostly together, haven't they? Dickie, they've added a couple of players, um, but they'll be there or thereabouts. Some some people think they may even win the league. Other people, apart from us, but uh, they'll certainly be top three. Do you think? I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a fairly good shout. I think Altrincham, they were certainly one of the sides that impressed, impressed me most last season when I saw them um, on both occasions. They've kept virtually the core of that team together. You've got the goals of Jordan Hume um, in that side. You've got Josh Hancock, you've got John Johnston, the winger who is, is much coveted, I would imagine, but the fact that they've retained him, um, they've added Nathan Arnold, 
they've uh, added Connor Branson in midfield who was a big influence of Bradford I've Park seen Avenue. Him, I've seen him pre-season and he's been excellent for them as well. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll, he was he was a big addition for Bradford Park Avenue and will be a big loss for them and a big gain for Altrincham. Um, so I can see Altrincham being a playoff side yet again. They got there last year but, but stumbled. They didn't eventually get to, I think they got to the semi-finals but got beat by Shawley. I think they can go a little bit better this year but have they got enough to go up? when you look at sort of like the likes of York as well I'm not sure but they'll certainly be up there now both of us have gone for Gateshead we know the term on Gateshead Adam fortunately for them they only got relegated one division it could have been a lot worse uh, I've gone from to reach the playoffs you've gone from also and I think the big thing with that is they've kept um, some important players like Greg Ollie for example haven't they and I think that's our, our thinking is that right absolutely yeah I think Again, you know, at the end of last season, when things weren't certain as to um, what was going to happen around Gateshead and you know, whether they were going to take a, a relegation of one, maybe even two divisions, you did wonder whether they were going to be able to hold on to those players. But obviously, the new ownership uh, at Gateshead have come in. They retain full-time status, which is probably a big factor in keeping some of those players as well. Like like Greg Ollie, you've mentioned there. I mean, I think they've lost John Malish to. Mm-hmm. to Carlisle yeah. which is a, a bit of a blow but and Tom White to Blackburn another player moving up to the EFL they have indeed but but I think they've, they've done some reasonable recruitment as well uh, Mike Williamson's taken over um, in, in the managerial hot seat and there. he's been there a year so it's not like he's not just walked in blind he, he knows the club kind of because he's, he's be, he played from last year didn't he so yeah and I would imagine he's probably going to continue to play as well I would, I would certainly think so so you know that full time status in a league which is largely part time teams is enough for me to think that Gates will be a playoff team this season yeah, and Chris went for Chester to um, go up as champions the rest of us have all gone from to make the playoffs uh, again I think mainly because of Anthony Johnson Burnham Moore they've kept some of the squad together they've added to it as well but they've got that experience and they've gone a bit more in terms of extra training as well which, which may help although as I say they did get uh, beaten heavily at FC United on Tuesday evening which Burnham Moore wasn't happy about but you feel with their experience Rick Dickey that's why they'll, they'll be up there yeah but Chester were that were, were blighted by injury problems last season. I have the feeling that if you'd asked um, Bernard Morley and Anthony Johnson the number of times they'd been able to pick the side that they would have chosen if they'd had everybody available, then it would have been on very few occasions they'd actually been able to do that. Um, you know, the players have had the summer to get over those injuries and they start with a clean slate. The two of them are, are, are born competitors and born winners and I think that's, you sense also with a club like Chester who, you know, have clearly got aspirations to be at a higher level than this. Um, they're, they're not going to take second best and you, you'd imagine that will drive them on but I'm not entirely sure about some of the recruitment, but um, but they've kept the majority of the players that they had last year. Um, but it, as ever in the National League, as in any league, it's, it's getting off to a good start that will be uh, a big factor. Chester got off to a poor start last season. Um, came good again around Christmas, but then fell away. And, and it's that getting that good start. If they can do that, then... Then, oh yeah, I do see the move up there. Yeah, I'm the only one who's gone for Boston to reach the player surprise. And I think Boston have recruited really well, Dickie, this year. 
Yeah, Simon Ainge and uh, Dominic Knowles, two of the additions there, and I think they brought in a number of players from Alfreton. I think Tom Platt's come across from there. Luke Shields, who was the captain at Alfreton last season, he's joined. Strengthening the goalkeeping department, a player I know well, Peter Crook, he's come in as well. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll. Uh, I would. I suppose what what affected my thinking on this one is I thought similarly about Boston last season, and again their recruitment last season looked uh, looked good. They, they brought in Nathan Arnold and and a number of other players, but and they started well, but it, it fell away really badly. And I suppose my my concern is is that the same thing could happen again. Um, you know, manager Craig Elliott's been there probably in the region of. 18 months now mm. and I think if you were do you think it's a big season for him then in terms of I he needs so. to get it right this year I think so I don't you know I don't, we don't like to talk about managers being under pressure at all because you know you're talking about people's not necessarily their livelihoods but you know something that people take a lot of pride in and, and that, but, but we all know the way football works is that it's a results based business and I think if you were to see the same kind of thing again happen with Boston um, then yeah I think he would come under pressure this time around but um, you know the, the, the fans there seem seem optimistic I know they're very very pleased that they've got back their Christmas and you hear derbies with Kingsley in town yeah. and there's a couple of great games so um, yeah again I, I can absolutely understand you thinking of why Boston are going to be uh, a playoff team so interestingly the last playoff spots Rob and Tom you've gone for Darlington and Hereford two teams who massively underachieved last season and uh, what makes you think first of all Rob that Darlington will get in the playoffs no real sound logic I just think it's about time they had a good season really Darlington I haven't seen them play so I don't have a strong opinion a little bit to be fair like Dickie's uh, predictions for the south you know I, I do take a little bit of a backseat when it comes to the north because I'm not got a qualified opinion but uh, yeah they're a, a, a club with a good tradition a club that's been uh, a lot of its history at a higher level and uh, it's about Alan Armstrong as well manager there now so. absolutely as well yeah I think he'll be a big factor for him he's taken and a number of players from his former club, Blythe, um, and, and so they mentioned. I think Hereford was the other one that we mentioned. There, yeah, which is one of Tom's predictions. They've. I think their recruitment's been a lot better this time round. I think I think it was recruitment last summer which ultimately cost Peter Beagle his job, and, and he didn't recruit well enough for for the National League North. They've added down that spine this time. They've added Brandon Hall, who is an England Sea goalkeeper, Martin Riley, and Reese Steich from Alfreton. So that's the spine strengthened, and with a lot more experience as well. What was noticed about Hereford last season is a lot of the players they brought in were sort of younger players on loan that they could get in from other clubs, and I think that inexperience showed at times. And I, and I think those players coming in will make they'll make Hereford a tougher proposition. They're, they're, they're not a playoff side for me, but. Um, I'm sure they'll enjoy proving me wrong. Tom, is, is Reece Deitch the, the big factor for them, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he will get goals there. I also think that Harrison has done well to exploit um, the relegation western super there. Um, they're one of the clubs that has best access to sort of that dual market of being on the, on the south flat north border. Um, and I think that Jacob Payne and Jagger played from, sorry, uh, Jason Payne and Jagger came from western super there. Both of them are very good players. Kane, particularly, um, will be a real asset in this, this season. Um, and today they've passed to the Bradley Ashford for Wood as well. Um, so I think Ash and Stike up top, fed by Kane, will be a really potent attack person. Um, 
and I think they should perform a lot better than last season. Okay, and for the top scorer in the north, uh, we've all gone for Dan Maguire. It's that one person, Dickie, who's gone for Jordan Hume at Altingham. Why? I'm always impressed with Jordan Hume. Every time I see him play, he's an absolute handful. He's, I, think, I, I think he's a menace. I don't think opposing central defenders enjoy their afternoons against Jordan Hume very, very often. And I just think Altering are going to be up there. I think they're going to be certainly a, a playoff side as a minimum. Um, and, and I just back Hume to sort of like carry on from, from where he left off last season. I think he missed a number of games last season through suspension for a couple of red cards. I think in theory if he'd if, if he'd not had those couple of lapses of discipline, um, Jordan Hume may have ended up, you know, the top scorer in that league ahead of Glenn Taylor of Spennymore. So um, I suppose there's a little bit if you just wanted to be different there. I do think Dan McGuire will do well for for York as he has done for Blythe but you know, I've just decided to go for Jordan Hume yeah for me it was a toss up between Maguire and Glenn Taylor for top scorer a quick look at relegation we've all kind of gone different really um, me and you have gone for Bradford Dickey I think mainly because they've lost Mark Bauer who did a fantastic job for him they've lost a lot of experienced players brought in a lot of younger players as well haven't they and um, one that stood out for me is uh, well two for both of you really Kingsley and Kettering I'm going to nip to the loo while you talk about this but um, Kingsley um, they did really well and they've got uh, the likes of Adam Marriott up front and, and Michael Gash so I'm surprised you've gone for that Robin Kettering although they've lost Marcus Law they've still got that core that team that experience Dickie yeah it was a tough call admittedly on the relegation spots in the north it was it, to, I end, almost ended up looking at the other teams in the league and was able to make a case for them not being in, in one of the two relegation mm. spots and remember there are only two relegation spots in the north and south this year yeah. because of the expansion to 24 teams um, and, and it, unfortunately for Kettering they, they were just the ones that I couldn't make a strong enough case for I say I've got Bradford Park Avenue in there as well again I think that that recruitment factor that core of experience that has taken them to the playoffs two years in a row has, has been completely stripped away Mark Bauer's gone Gary Thompson is a new manager and I think a lot of the recruitment seems to be a lot of younger players who he knows from his time with Bradford City and and, and my, my concern with this league and, and having watched this league for numerous seasons is just inexperience it just costs unfortunately um, there's there's a high price to be paid for it and, and, and I just think Bradford will suffer for, for having had that, that really experienced core stripped away yep well they've lost their manager so too have your other prediction Kettering Town and uh, it's quite unusual you know after a team in their case has come up to a division that the managers moved on um, Kurz and Ashton come into uh, the Northern Boys thinking Luke and Chris have both said they're going to go down um, and uh, Tom and I uh, reckon that uh, it might be a little bit of an ask for Farsley Celtic of course they got up to the uh, to the National League or the conference as it was a few years ago and only only had the one division uh, sorry the one season in that division then uh, Gloucester City the move from south to north what do you make of that Chris Pratt predicted them to go down do you think they'll be alright um, I have predicted them to be alright I think it might be a close run thing um, it's it's an interesting view as to whether you know the north or the south is, is the stronger division of the two if there is any difference um, 
Gloucester are ideally placed to be able to answer that question because they were in the north for a number of seasons then into the south for a couple then and back into the north I think they might just have enough I think they might just be okay and, and they won't go you know other clubs are not as well placed as them um, I think there's it, there's possibly some optimism around there there's a talk of the new stadium in the yeah Gloucester. there's always that siege mentality with Gloucester everyone thinks they'll struggle every year and they, they manage to just stay up don't they and I think, and, I think there's a touch of that around Curzon Ashton as well I think Curzon Ashton the people's almost perennial picks to go down because of you know the size of the crowds they've got but, but um, I don't so think they'll score goals this year though Dick I think they'll struggle which is why I've gone for them and, and, and also as well with those three clubs or well, two that you've mentioned the one I'm going to mention now a lot will come down to their home form nobody's going to want to go to Gloucester no one's going to want to go to Curzon you know based on, on, on the fact that they, they, they're gritty and they get the job done at home sometimes the other one is Kings Lynn how well will they travel I know Chris isn't able to join us today and he thinks they'll do really well at National League North level I think they might struggle but if they can get good enough home form uh, when people make the long trip out to Kings Lynn in Norfolk then maybe just maybe they'll have enough the big thing is Rob they went to Warrington who were excellent at home in Evo Stick last year they fell behind in the playoff final and they came back and won and that's a big factor for me that says that they'll do well uh, quickly because uh, the pub's filling up as you can as you yeah. can probably hear behind us so we're going to look at step three quickly and in the Evo Stick to the Northern Premier League um, three of us have, four of us have gone for South Shields except uh, Chris has gone for Warrington I don't know why South Shields are full time this year so I think they'll the what yeah the, and they've added Jason Gilchrist as yeah. well in the last yeah. in the last week or so and he you know he's a, he's a proven scorer at higher levels than the level he's going to be playing at so there's a there's a real momentum around South Shields and I imagine they were massively disappointed to miss out in the playoffs last year I don't think they'll miss out this time around um, the Southern League South Division uh, Dickie's gone for Salisbury I've gone for Tiverton Rob's gone for Taunton and Tom's gone for Western Supermare we've all gone for different teams there in the Southern League Central Chris's gone for Stourbridge who I think might struggle because Gary Hackett's now left he's done well for him uh, Dickie's gone for Nuneaton I've gone for Hensford who finished the season strongly Rob's also gone for Stourbridge as has Tom so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and in the Ismail League two of us gone for Margate myself and Chris I don't know if it's just because we like only fools and horses but I think they did alright they, they were on the up last year I think towards the end of the season mm. uh, Dickie you've gone for Harrogate Bury which I can kind of understand because they got their FA Cup money and got a very good manager there Rob you've gone for Kingstonian and Tom has gone for Worthing um, any comment Rob on Kingstonian or? no not particularly <laughs> no we've all had to pluck a team out yeah. obviously we don't watch that level of football very much we do still want to doff our cap to step three on the podcast from time to time this year yeah um, and uh, well it's been very very difficult but we've nailed our colours to the mask we did it last year and then we had a right good laugh at our predictions late on and that's basically the plan for this year yeah, isn't it? yeah definitely well Tom thank you very much for joining us shout goodbye thanks for having me as always yeah and uh, Rob thank you very much pleasure Dickie thank you you're very welcome and it's been a pleasure and thank you as well to the, uh, the Boots for letting us record the podcast here I've been Luke Edwards enjoy the start of the season we will be back over the weekend to review the first weekend of the National League action don't forget to subscribe to us and follow us on Twitter at NLFullTime and email nlfulltime at gmail.com <laughs>